your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's CASH to 200-200. Your home of the pens and the best pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeartRadio station. Arizona lost in the first round of the NCAA men's basketball tournament to a 13 seed, Butler, excuse me, Buffalo. They lost to a MAC team by 21 in the first round of the men's NCAA basketball tournament. That may get rid of Sean Miller as coach at Arizona. Not the FBI, but that loss and disappointing exits in each of the last three NCAA tournaments. If Miller gets fired, and Miller wants to coach at Pitt, and that's a big if, believe me, but if Miller wants the job, Pitt should hire Sean Miller ASAP with zero delay. I hear the overly cautious say that Pitt would have to vet Miller very carefully. Now, exactly what could Pitt find out that the FBI hasn't? What could J. Edgar like and that band of morons learn that the Federal Bureau of Investigation didn't. That word, investigation, that's what they do. What could Pitt possibly learn that the FBI hasn't? And what did the FBI have on Miller besides a tape that nobody's heard in which Miller tries to finagle 10K to a recruit? And it's a tape that Sports Illustrated doesn't seem to think exists. I'm not even sure Sean Miller would want the pitch on. Pitt went 0-18 in the ACC, nine of Pitt's players want to leave, and Pitt has no recruiting class. Pitt Athletics and the influential rich alumni have never understood Pitt's shortcomings, and right now, they don't understand that Pitt basketball is in a world of excrement. I mean a world of excrement. Sick again, brought you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. A world of excrement. Uh, that will be even more readily evident when none of the coaches on pitch shortlist take the job. And when they have to give walk-on players actual playing time next season. And when they go 0-18 in the ACC again. And when they get slaughtered by Duquesne in the city game. So unless Sean Miller's committed war crimes, like dropping a diphtheria bomb on an orphanage, if he's done something like that we don't know about, and he gets fired by Arizona, hire him before he understands how hopeless the situation really is for Pitt basketball. Because I tell you right now, if Sean Miller takes the job, they still go 0-18 in the ACC next year. And I hear people say, well, if they got the right guy, he could get a lot of those kids who want to leave to stay. Oh, well, that's good news. They're the ones who went 0-18 last year. I know people blame Scott Barnes for all this, the old AD. But Heather Like hasn't exactly covered herself in glory. Her ass should be in the pressure cooker. Pitch just a bad situation and presided over by idiots. Keep in mind, Kevin Stallings wasn't a horrible basketball coach 
before he got to Pitt. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Well, we got another call, but I hesitate to put him on because he'll just hang up. Okay, let's try it. Justin in North Hills. Justin, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mr. Madden, hey, uh, what's Ross going up to the first line? Do you like that, or would you rather have Hornquist instead of Getzel with Crosby and Russ, or even Kessel? Because I feel like Getzel's not this. Well, Rust was on the Crosby line of practice. Yeah, I'd rather have, I'd rather have Rust there than Sherry, but not than Hornquist. Hornquist to be my first choice, but Malkin's doing so well playing with Hornquist. And for the record, the lines today were Gensel, Crosby, and Rust, Haglin, Malkin, and Hornquist, Sherry, Broussard, and Kessel, Joris, Shayant, and Kuhnhockel. 412 Staying with hockey. I did a column in the Trib yesterday about Evgeny Malkin's chances of winning the MVP. And I mentioned how Mario Lemieux got screwed out of the MVP in 1989 uh, when Lemieux had 31 more points than Gretzky, and all 31 points were goals. And Gretzky got MVP because he did the league a favor by going to L.A. that season. You won't find that in the official criteria for the Hart Trophy. Lemieux not getting MVP in 1989 was the biggest screw job ever. But you know what's a close second? Malkin not making that list about a year ago, the NHL's top 100 players of all time. I did a blog about that today on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. There are about a dozen players on that list that couldn't carry Malkin's jockstrap and a goalie's equipment bag. Let's zero in on an obvious pick. Jonathan Taves from Chicago, the center, the captain. Okay, Malkin and Taves each have three Stanley Cups and a playoff MVP. Malkin has two scoring titles. Taves has none. Malkin has an MVP. Taves does not. In 774 regular season games, Malkin has 368 goals, 553 assists, for 921 points. In 789 regular season games, Taves has 292 goals, 381 assists, for 673 points. For those of you not sitting with calculators, Taves has 248 less points in 15 more games. In 149 playoff games, Malkin has 58 goals, 99 assists, for 157 points. In 128 playoff games, Taves has 40 goals, 70 assists, for 110 points. Malkin in the playoffs averages 1.05 points per game. Taves averages .859. So, I double dog dare anybody listening. Give me one tangible way Taves is better than Malkin. Because the reality is, they're not even remotely in the same class. Malkin is insanely better than Jonathan Taves. Now, fans of Taves and Canada, because that figures in. Fans of Taves and Canada will talk about face-offs and defense and leadership. But geez, Taves' Blackhawks haven't been out of the first round of the playoffs since 2015 and won't even make the playoffs this year. So if Taves used to be this great leader, well... Apparently, he's forgot how. 
If Jonathan Taves was drafted by Arizona, no one would ever have heard of him. Not to be critical, 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Let's go to Dan. Dan in Indiana. Dan, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Double M, thanks for taking the call. Right. I think two two things with the pit head coaching vacancy. they got to find somebody with some kind of pit ties, like Brandon Knight. Or yeah, Brandon Knight, Brandon Knight would stink with these guys. Nah, yeah, it is well, the well, deepest hole. Po- don't interrupt. I'm the expert. You're the nobody. Brandon Knight, the last thing he needs to do, I'm not even sure he'd want the job because he'd be coming in with pit basketball in its deepest hole ever. What would a first-time head coach do in this situation? Nah, it would be kind of like a Kevin Ali when he took over up in UConn and and they ended up winning the whole thing. I mean, yeah, that I, wouldn't I, I happen think- here. I, I, I know. Eventually, though, it wouldn't happen. No, no, long, that wouldn't happen here eventually either. The the thing that's different now, when they went from Jamie Dixon to Ben Howland, they come they they kind of kept the system in the program. You mean from Ben Howland to Jamie Dixon? Yeah, yeah, Ben Howland, Jamie Dixon. When they went from Jamie Dixon to uh, Kevin Stallings, yeah, he's a, he, he's a decent offensive coach, but it's just not the way. That's just oh, not when the they hired him, all I heard was how good he was from people like you, and he was a good coach until he got to Pitt. It wasn't Kevin yeah. Stallings. It's the management yeah. of the entire athletic program. It, it should be Sean Miller's punishment to keep the kids we had last year and make him coach. Bro, it, whoever takes the job should want most of those kids to stay because you got to have people to build on. And you won't yeah. build much. But, bro, I'm serious. I'm serious as a heart attack, and I've had one. If if, if those nine kids all leave, Pitt are going to have to give minutes to walk-ons next year. Yep. And it will be delightful, yes! You watch. If Sean Miller could dig the program out eventually, he'd have to come in prepared to go 0-18 again, which I, I, I don't... People are thinking, oh, Sean Miller, FBI investigation, accused of bribing a recruit, went out in the first round to a team from the MAC. He'd be glad to have any job. Not this one. I bet he would rather not coach at all than Coach Pitt if he gets fired by Arizona. And you look at the list of guys that that you know supposedly Pitt's looking at. Like Creano when he went to Georgia, uh Hurley at Rhode Island, Martin at South Carolina, uh Mata that was at Ohio State. Pitt's not gonna get any of them. And they're not all gonna get hired somewhere else. Some of those guys, well Martin's already in South Carolina, but you watch. If if Mata and Her- Hurley could stay at Rhode Island, of course, but they'd rather not coach than come here because it's that bad of a situation. I'm Mark Madden. We've got Phil Bork at the bottom of the hour. This is a good time to call. 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Um, what do you think about the new... I can't remember what I called, sorry. Really awesome call. The X at 105.9. Uh, Tyron Matthew, the uh, safety who left Arizona and signed as a free agent with Houston, he said J.J. Watt uh, attracted him to Texas to play for Houston. Well, uh, if I were Tyron Matthew, I'd ask J.J. Watt a, a, a couple questions as long as he was recruiting. I'd say, hey, how many games you planning on playing this year, J.J., because 
You only played five last year and only three the year before that. I was talking about the NHL MVP a few moments ago. Nathan McKinnon of Colorado has nine goals and nine assists in nine games this month. And the Avs are 5-1-3 and three in those games. Uh, that's points in eight out of nine. When you're scrapping for a wild card berth, that's uh, pretty good. If Colorado makes the playoffs, McKinnon will get MVP because he's Canadian. And that's how it works. Let's go to Jeff in the car. Jeff, you're talking to Double M. Hello? You're on the air, Jeff. Yeah, I just have two comments. First of all, I'm a Pitt fan. I don't know why, but they made a bad deal with Kevin Stallings. They should live with it like everybody else and pay the man his money. Not his fault that they did a bad hire. Uh, it's embarrassing the way that things are going. I'm not even sure if it's a bad hire or if Kevin Stallings, who was highly regarded as at least a good coach before coming to Pitt, if he just came into an untenable situation because too many idiots poked their fingers into the Pitt basketball pie. Yeah, that, that's, that's probably true. But a bad hire from their point of view. And the other comment with the Aliquippa coach, uh, the parents on the news saying that the players end up selling drugs on the corner. When are the parents going to take responsibility for raising their kids and realize coaches and teachers are not responsible? Well, they're just not going to. They're just, they, they, parents take responsibility for the good that their kid does, but blame the bad on somebody else. It, it's the it, it's why America's in the decline and fall. We suck. Our country yeah. sucks, pure and That's simple. And it's not because the right wing, it's not because the left wing. It's because we all suck. It is the most concentrated burst of sucking in the history of sucking. In fact, if we weren't all working together on this like the left and right are, we couldn't possibly suck this bad. It is an impressive display of unity among people who cannot unite in any other cause besides sucking. Let's go to Tom in Greensburg. Tom. You're on with Double M. I just have a quick question. Would Pitt ever consider hiring Rick Pitino as a coach? Because no. he is a good recruiter. Okay. I mean, you know what? I would. I know what you mean. Hey, you know what? His assistant got players some hookers. He cheated. So what? He won. <laughs> Louisville never should have fought. I'm, I'm not. I'm being serious. I don't care. He won. <laughs> he won, and the program made a lot of money. Louisville should never have fired him. So why wouldn't Pitt? try to get him they just won't let's go to uh woody in the car woody you're on with double m hey mark good show right hey i'm with you nobody wants to fit job you're walking into a nightmare but uh what about orlando antigua they were ever brought his name up with, with calipari for a while had some head coaching experience from Pitt. good recruiting ties possibly yeah maybe he was an assistant at illinois this year uh, he was uh, he was head coach where for a bit, uh, not for very long. Somewhere, most, in, somewhere in Florida, uh, South Florida. He was head coach at South Florida for a bit, but uh, you know, to me, the more logical appointment if you're going to get an ex-player's Brandon Knight, who was uh, an assistant head coach at Rutgers since uh, 2016, and who of course spent time on Jamie Dixon's staff and left when he didn't get the job, and they gave it to Stallings. But I just don't see Brandon Knight as a guy who's going to remotely know how to dig Pitt out. Agree. But I think beggars can't be choosers. I think you're going to be amazed at who they hire.
and not amazed in a good way. Let's go to Josh in the car. Josh, you're on with Double M. Sexy. What up? Uh, just wanted to call about uh, Taze and Malkin. Right. Why, why Taze is better? Because he's Canadian. Same way with the MVP race. Well, that's why Nitwitz think he's, he's better. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Malkin has 248 more points in 15 less games than Jonathan Taves. That that speaks for itself. Let's go to Grant. Grant, you're on with Mark. Uh, Mark, uh, touching on what you made a comment about uh, Taves and Malkin, I was just wondering, do you think it's advisable to add players that are in the middle of their careers or to an all-time list when you don't know what they're going well, to do. The all-time list doesn't mean years. anything. It, it just pisses me off because Malkin so obviously deserved to be on it. But they did it in conjunction with the 100th anniversary of the National Hockey League. And who cares except I do because Malkin got screwed. I just mean, would, will Taze, based on his recent productivity, because I don't think he's going to know. Well, they're not no doing would... the list again except, I sure. guess, 100 more years from now. So it doesn't yeah. matter. It's a very disposable thing. Except, like I said, there are 12 or even more guys on that list that couldn't carry Evgeny Malkin's jockstrap in a goalie bag. In fact, there are like 50 or 60 that I think Gino is better than. But there's like 12 or, 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 or 18 where the comparison is ridiculous. Like, Gino and Jonathan Taves aren't even in the same class. Okay? When it comes to comparison of careers... Jonathan Taves can taste the urine because Gino pisses all over him. Okay, but, but you know, a lot of people won't tell you that because Taves is Canadian. And I would normally say now, to conclude this conversation, that every single GM in the league would rather have Malkin than Taves, except a lot wouldn't because Taves is Canadian. 412-333-9939. I know who my next guest would rather have between the two. The old 2-9er. We'll take Mark, and we got Phil Bork next on 105.9. This is Carter Rowney of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on your home of the Pens. 105.9 The X. Joining me now is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He is the analyst on Penguins Radio Broadcasts. It's a pleasure to welcome the old 2-9er, Phil Bork. Borky, the Metro Division race is crazy. Only eight points separate first and fourth place Who's going to finish where, and how much does it matter? <laughs> uh, I don't have the crystal ball. Uh, I'm going to say Penguins, <laughs> just because uh, I like their schedule coming down the stretch, and I know they play their best hockey this time of year. Uh, I don't see anybody playing really good hockey that seems to want to take that Metropolitan Division crown and run with it. Uh, the second part of your question I don't think it means a hill of beans. I don't think it means much of anything. And almost, uh, I almost feel like Washington and and Philly are kind of playing that way, also that they they just kind of want to get in. They have that mentality, and I think that over the years, Mark, maybe even since uh, the LA Kings won in uh, what was that 2012? I think they won, uh, and they were the number eight seed. I think more and more teams are 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 having that philosophy of let's just get in. Let's not push the horses so hard and try for a division crown, a conference crown, or, heaven forbid, Washington Capitals, another, you know, president's trophy. Matt Murray's back, practiced again today. Has Murray played well this season, or do the Penguins need him to play better? Because his numbers are only okay. 
Uh, I think you and I have talked about this before. That uh, you know, it's really refreshing to hear Matt Murray do interviews. And number one, the first thing he does is accept responsibility and uh, say that he has to be better. Uh, the the other part is, I, I truly believe that he doesn't really care about the goals against the save percentage. He just cares about the wins. And I've referenced, I've referenced Tom Barrasso in the past. You know, he wasn't that way in Buffalo, but he became that type of goaltender for the Penguins. I think early on, I, I think it went hand-in-hand that hand Matt Murray wasn't his best, but neither were the Penguins. But I think uh, before his most recent concussion, I think he was playing some of his best hockey. Uh, the numbers bore that out, but just his play, just his confidence, the, the big save mentality that he had. I go. I reference back, Mark, to that game against the, the Boston Bruins when he came in relief for Tristan Jari, and he stopped Brad Marchant in the dying seconds of regulation, and then help the Penguins win in overtime. I look back at that game, and I feel like Matt Murray kind of turned his season around, and ever since then, he's been playing some of his best. I agree, and I tend to not consider the stats of a Penguin goaltender too seriously because the Penguins are always on the attack. That affects the numbers, and I think it affects the mentality too, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree with you, Mark. Uh, Maybe we are who we are, and maybe we should stop trying to beg the Penguins to to play 2-1 games. Uh, you know, they've had a couple here, a couple there where, uh, you know, the game against Dallas, they were they were tremendous for 60 minutes, and they, they held the Stars to, what, I think under 20 shots. And, uh, you, you know, you're going to have those games. But I think who we are, Mark, is, you know, to win games, you know, 5-3, 6-4, I, I think we're that type of team. I don't think that's a terrible thing. Uh, I know it's a little bit of playing with fire, but I just think we have the horses – Obviously, to play that style, you need a goaltender that can make the save uh, in in the last you know five ten minutes of a hockey game, which I think we have in Matt Murray. You need the depth scoring. If the big guys aren't scoring all the time, you better have guys on the third and fourth line that can chip in. But maybe that's just our DNA. Maybe that's who we are. Chris Letang is kind of like Matt Murray to me. I think he's played pretty well since the new year. But does Tanger have another year, and is that needed? Oh, absolutely. He has another gear. Uh, and we just hope he finds it in the playoffs and, we, and he finds it on somewhat a consistent basis. Now, I tell you, nobody, nobody has the pom-poms out for Chris Letang more than I do, but also uh, I've been more critical of Chris Letang as a player than maybe other, any other player for the Pittsburgh Penguins over the last 10 years just because I know his potential and I know what he could be and what he's done in the past and how consistently he's done it. Uh, I, I find it a bit of a roller coaster ride and I feel like I'm on that ride in the second seat right behind him when he has these ups and downs in games. I just hope he finds a consistency, whether it's in the defensive end or in the offensive end. Who has been the Penguins' best defenseman this season? I have to go with Brian Dumoulin. I think he's just been rock solid. I think he has helped Chris Letang get through his, his tough times. Uh, he's chipping in offensively more than he ever has. Uh, he, he's just oozing with confidence. I think getting that contract extension was a, just a, a big boost for him to get to that next level. And, uh, boy, I, I can't imagine the Penguins without number eight in the lineup, and especially with Chris Letang. I just think he, he, his skating is underestimated. His ability to close on a player, which looks like he's going to be on a clear-cut breakaway, the way Dumoulin's able to recover to either cover up for his mistakes or cover up for Chris Letang's mistakes, I think that uh, his puck-moving ability and his uh, ability to get pucks on the net uh, has been the best I've ever seen Brian Dumas. 
We're talking to Phil Bork, the old two-niner, brought to you by Armstrong, One Wire, Infinite Possibilities, and by Coors Light. Um, ever since Sidney Crosby joined the Penguins uh, over a decade ago, Borky, we have debated who should skate on his wing, and the debate still rages. So, okay, two-niner, <laughs> Sid, Gensel, and who else? I think it's going to be the Rusty Razor. I think it's got to be Brian Rust. I mean, I just, as much as I'd like to see Patrick Hornquist up there, I just think that Horny with, uh, with Haggy and Gino, I think you just got to leave it alone. And uh, I think the way that Brian Rust has played, and he, he has shown us a, a different gear offensively. He's, sh- he's shown us a better set of hands, not only finishing, but playmaking. We know he's got the great wheels. That's, that's undeniable. Uh, but his ability to hunt down pucks, his ability to be a straight-line player, I think that's what Sid likes. So I, I'd like, you know, we only got a few games left here. I'd like to see the, the lines get a little more consistent as far as um, who's playing with who. I think you can build a little chemistry down the stretch here, but uh, I just don't think Connor is finding traction right now. So I'm going to go Gensel, Sid, and Russ the way they were in practice. Wingers are almost never an easy fit for Crosby. Is that on the wingers or is that on Sid? I think a little of both. I think that's fair to say that uh, Sid's just a, he's a different cat. You know, he's a different player. He's a unique style, and it's tough to fit with him. Um, I think that both Gensel and when uh, Russ has played with Sid, that they haven't forced him to puck, which is, you know, a lot of young players are guilty of that because he's the best player in the world. You want to get him the puck. But I think that, you know, the, the consistency there when he's with Connor Sherry and, and Jake Gensel, and Jake's gone, what, 10 or 11 games without a goal now. He's been playing with Sid the whole time. So I know that the body language of Sid. I know when he's a little bit frustrated, but I also know when he's going to get to that next year and uh, come hell or high water, that it doesn't matter who he's playing with, he's going to make those players better. Yeah, I agree, and I have no problem with the way Sid's played. I'd just like to see a bit more production, and I don't tie that into him. Uh, I think if Connor Sherry had played to the level he has in the past, did it have X amount more points? And even Gensel, he has 20 goals, but I feel like he could have more Borky. At any rate, it's been kind of a quiet 20 goals, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, it has. It has, and he's... He's got them in bunches. I think he's got maybe three or four games where he has two goals in a game. So that means he's got quite a few without. But, you know, I just watch the way Jake Gensel played in the playoffs. I look at the way Connor Sherry plays in the playoffs, even Brian Russ in the playoffs. These guys, they just have an ability. And, and I'm sure Sully has a, a part of this equation. He, he's got his fingers in there somewhere pushing the right buttons. But these guys, you know, whether it's a game seven or an elimination game or a game when maybe you're trailing in a series, more times than not, you know, guys like Gensel and Sherry and Russ, those, those secondary guys, they have that next year. So as much as we want to critique them, and they probably deserve it a little bit during the, the regular season, I, I just think, and I know the sample size isn't huge, Mark, but I think, you know, when you look at last year and the last two years, I think those players I just mentioned, when the chips are on the line, they've been able to step up their game. Kessel and Sid together has never really been considered. Why do you think that is? Gensel and Sid? No, I'm sorry, Kessel and Sid. Oh, Kessel and Sid. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it was tried early on when Phil first came to the Penguins from Toronto, and it just didn't seem to jive. It didn't seem to gel. And then it seemed like Phil was a nice fit with Gino, and then they started to become a little predictable, and now Sully, I think he's going to just stay with separating the three stars and uh, and roll the three lines because of the centers that we have. So 
I, I don't know why. It's an interesting question. I, I, I don't have a great answer for you, Mark. Uh, maybe you have a great answer. Maybe you, No, you no, say? I don't. In fact, when, when they got Phil, I thought it was specifically to put him with Sid. Yeah, and they played maybe two games together for any length during the game since then. That's it, twice or three times. You know, and then you watch them on the power play, and they seem to have chemistry when they're out in the power play, but five on five, not so much. And uh, I don't, I just don't, maybe it's just one of those things where they just don't gel, just don't mix. Is Gino the MVP? I think so, but McKinnon's certainly making a run. Oh, boy. Look out for Nathan McKinnon. You're right. Uh, you know, you have to. I think you have to talk about Taylor Hall and what he's done in New Jersey. See, I, I don't. I'm going to argue with you. I can't consider a guy who's 12th in the league in scoring on a wild card team. Well, I think if they get into the playoffs, I'm not saying I would give him the award, Mark, but he, he'd definitely be in my conversation. And if if I was giving out votes, he would be number three or four for me. Uh, but with to get to your original question, yeah, I think that Gino. If he makes a big push here, I, I, I have a feeling he has to win one of the trophies. He's got to win the Ross or the Richard, one of the two, to to uh, win that. What McKinnon's doing out in Colorado? Because I have a tough time naming who their second best player is out there uh, in Colorado. And, uh, and if he gets them in the playoffs, you seriously have to consider Nathan McKinnon. But if Geno's able to make a push for the Ross for most points or the Richard for most goals, it could go to Geno. Well, the difference between McKinnon and Taylor Hallbork is Hall, like I said, is 12th in the league in scoring. McKinnon's fourth. And his impact on Colorado, I think, is all the more evident than Hall's. Yeah. I, no, I agree with you, Mark. I just, all I'm saying is when I look at the New Jersey Devils and I look at what they've been able to do and the times that they've played the Penguins, holy moly, Taylor Hall is, is a star, an absolute star. And I'm saying if he gets that team into the playoffs, I think he needs to garner some votes. And I'm not saying first-place votes, but maybe a trip to Las Vegas for the vacation. Well, what quality do McKinnon and Hall both have that most of the other candidates don't? Well, they've been able to take a a mediocre team and get them to the playoffs. Now, I'm going to go a lot simpler. They're born in Canada. (laughs) And 55%, here's a stat for you, Borky, 55% of those voting for MVP work for Canadian media outlets. <laughs> I can't, I can't deny, uh, I can't, for the sake of the show, I know uh, debating you might make for good ratings. No, you don't need good ratings. You got them anyways. But just for the <laughs> sake of conversation, I can't, I can't debate you on that because our last couple trips to Montreal, Toronto, uh, I know which way the scale tips. Now, uh, the Penguins play at Brooklyn tomorrow and then host Montreal. These are two teams that won't make the playoffs. If the Penguins want to get a high seed, like you said before, and I agree, it really doesn't matter that much, but if they do have first place in their sights, I think you've got to get four points out of these games. Yeah, and I think the more important thing, Mark, and whether it's first in the Metro or second in the Metro, I just don't think you want to be third in the Metro. Where I, I, so I think the Penguins need to have that home ice in the first round. That first round is so important. And the way the Penguins have dominated on home ice this season, uh, I just think that you don't want to be getting it down to the first week of April there, and you're really having to push hard to get that home ice. Yeah, you're right. The Islanders are an absolute train wreck, and, and Montreal on the road aren't, aren't that fine, far behind them. Yeah, i got to tell you, I, I'm just running down the Metro standings here, looking at them online. 
I don't think Philly would beat the Penguins. I don't think Washington would beat the Penguins. I don't think New Jersey would beat the Penguins. I don't think Columbus would beat the Penguins. I, I just don't see a team in the Metro where I can say, you know what, this is a dead-even matchup. And there's just a chink in every team's armor. Washington with Holtby struggling. Chicago with Bob unable to play well in the playoffs. New Jersey basically being a one-man team up front, and Philadelphia being so weak in the back. I concur. And that's not getting ahead of ourselves. That's not being arrogant at all. I think it's just the facts are the fact that I think those are good matchups for the Penguins. Any of those. Washington, which it really doesn't look like we're going to play Washington, but if we do, you know, bring them on. You'd love to play the Caps, and you're right, the way that Hopi is kind of wishy-washy right now. Uh, that uh, I think that it's the, the Caps' body language are, geez, maybe Grubauer is our best guy right now. Oh, let but, me tell uh, you, I, I was you actually broke uh, a topic I'm going to pursue right before the playoffs, Borky. That wouldn't shock me. Uh, they've lost some faith in Holtby, and yesterday was a pretty big game against the Fires, and Grubauer started. No, Barry Trotz uh, does not have a contract for next year, so... You know, he's going to just let it fly in the playoffs. <laughs> no fear at all, which is an interesting because, you know, a lot of people will use the term lame duck coach, which he kind of is. Why has he been given an extension? So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's you know, cup or bust for Washington as far as Barry Trotz is concerned. And you look at all those teams that you're talking about. You're right. Bob against the Penguins, his numbers, just not good. What's going on with Peter Morazic in Philadelphia? Do you think they believe in him in the seven-game series against the Penguins? So in New Jersey... I don't think they've been able to figure out what they're doing in, with their goaltender either. Borky, they're playing Kincaid all the time now. And, and like Kincaid, I think their I single biggest strength is Schneider, aside from Taylor Hall. Well, Corey Schneider was out for a long time with an injury. He came back, played a couple games, and he was not all that in the bag of chips. So they, they figured, hey, Kincaid is, is giving them a chance. They, hey, they, they went out west, and they beat Nashville and Vegas back-to-back, and they hammered Vegas. They caught Vegas big time in their own barn. That's a, that's a team that I think of all the teams that we talked about, the team that's given the Penguins the most trouble in the regular season because of their overall team speed is the New Jersey Devils. Yes. I don't think they'd score enough, but I think the Penguins would, would have – I think game by game it would be tough. I don't think the result would be in doubt, though. No. I, in a seven-game series, I agree with you. I think uh, the Penguins' star and their depth and their goaltending would, would bear out. But that's a team that's, that's going to give you some headaches for sure. Well, this is great news, Borky. You and I can just take off till the conference final. <laughs> we got it all figured out. Hey, as always, we a pleasure. We got it all figured out, like always this time of year, Mark. As always, a pleasure. We'll see you Wednesday night at the rink. My pleasure, too. I enjoyed it, Mark. And this was good hockey talk. That's the old two-niner, Phil Bork, brought to you by Armstrong, One Wire, Infinite Possibilities, and by Coors Light. Enjoy Coors Light drafts for just $2.50 during happy hour, Monday through Friday, 5 till 7 p.m. at Mike and Tony's Deeros in Pit- in Bridgeville. I'm Mark Madden, 1059X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Hey. How's it going? How you doing, buddy? Let me check. Let me see what I'm wearing today. Yep, my shoes cost more than your house. The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin, but before we talk to Bob, Josh Oey tweeted, just spoke with Jim Rutherford, the general manager, the Penguins have decided on Casey DeSmith as Matt Murray's backup. Not set in stone, according to Yoey, but that's the direction for now. Rutherford wants Jari to get more playing time at the AHL level. I respect the decision because of who made it. I disagree with it. Tristan Jari's a better goaltender right now than Casey DeSmith. 
Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, your take on that. That um, I'm not outraged by it. I just think Tristan Jari is is the better goalie of the two, and clearly so. I agree with you. I think a lot of Pens fans would, Mark. I'm surprised to hear that. When you gave the uh, reason that Jari was sent down earlier in the show, I thought, okay, that makes all the sense in the world. they got to do the paperwork or something. They'll bring him right back up. Right, because Jari came up on emergency recall. Yeah, so I'm really surprised right now to hear. I shouldn't say really surprised. I am surprised to hear that they're going with DeSmith well, as the number Again, two. I'm not outraged, but it's not the decision I would make. Uh, I want to talk Steelers for a moment. What was your take on the signing of John Bostic, who certainly bounced around, having been with five uh, organizations already in his relatively brief NFL career, but he made a whole bunch of tackles for Indy last year on a pretty bad defense. Yeah, career high 97. They said he improved run stop. They said he improved, uh, you know, pass defense. And I know you talked about that Actually, earlier. Actually, he said that. <laughs> well, he, no, said, I saw... he said, people underestimate my pass defense. I'm going, well, the Scots don't. They think you suck. I actually looked back for a couple of articles from the Colts last year, and I saw that he was playing much better at that before the knee injury. But then again, you do have a knee injury. Plus, he's got a foot injury in his past also. Um, you know, five teams, two Pretty serious injuries, but um, it looks like you know the, the Steelers needed something right there. You know, McDonald, Fort, well, Medicaid. Do, do they have enough? They got to draft an inside backer. Absolutely obviously. have to. Yeah, that's that's the key right there. They bring him in to do some things, you know, plug and play. Uh, but they definitely need a star at that position, and a star right away in the draft. Well, I don't know about a star, but they need somebody who can be a clear cut starter and make Bostic and Vince compete for the other spot. Quite quite honestly, and. Uh, I, I don't know that that guy's going to come in and do that. It, the Steelers picking where they are in the first round. Maybe, I hope, but maybe not. And it's a weird draft for the Steelers because they like to say they pick the best athlete available. Mm -hmm. They're a legit contender. There's no way for them to pick the best athlete available. They have to use this year's draft to fill holes. I agree with you on that, uh, Mark. We've seen a couple of the Steelers go away from some of their tried and true methods in the past year or two or a couple of years, you know. We know that well, they, in this case they're going to be forced to. They have to absolutely, and they have to fill a hole. They have. They, they to got to get, draft inside backer in the first round, and they got to get a safety uh, with one of their next two picks. Do they get a running back anywhere in the top four or five too? Because of what's going on with their contract situation. See, whenever we say stuff like this, and you realize how complicated it is that you can't go into the season with with just. Uh, James Conner and Fitz Tassan, if Bell doesn't show up. Didn't sign you know, anybody. For week one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It makes me think more and more that they should have found a way to sign somebody like Carlos Hyde and Tyrone Matthew, the safety, rather than spend all 14 mil on Lev Bell. You could have had Hyde or a back like him and Matthew for under 14 mil. Less than they're going to pay Bell via the franchise. And I can't help but wonder if those two would have helped more than Lev Bell as an individual. And also, you know what you would know about those two you don't know about Bell? They're going to show up on time. Yeah, absolutely. If you were going to ask me that right now, Mark, which way I would have gone, either sign people that could help you in a certain number of areas, including the defense, or sign Lev Bell, I think myself and most Steeler fans right now would have gone to plug more holes instead of putting that much into uh, keeping Lev Bell, even though I agree with Tim Benz, and he, he harped this during the great sports debate. Bell is talented. He is a great player, but is it? do you really need to stack all your chips on that one hand, or should you spread it out a little bit more? I think they should spread it out a little bit more. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber.
In just 30 seconds, I'll have the latest update on the Aliquippa High School football situation. 105.9 The X.